0: Well, as we are in week two of our Guardians of the Family series, I'm excited to share with you just uh, some more things that will help us in this. Uh, in this series. Now, whether you have a family or don't have a family, or whether your family looks a little different than others, whether you're a single mom or a single dad, or you got both uh, parents here, or m- maybe you're not even married, and eventually one day you will, and you'll start a family, and all of these things are going to help you uh, as you set uh, some guardians, some guardrails, and um, some protection for your family. Last week, we talked about um, a powerful invitation, and we use uh, the story of Achan, and Achan was a soldier in the Israelite army whenever they, they brought down, God brought down the walls of Jericho, and so when After God brought down the walls of Jericho, there was obviously still some fighting that needed to go on that just allowed them to get into the city. And so Achan was doing his job. He was doing his job as, as a husband, as a father. He had kids. He had a wife. And uh, he was doing something for, for his country as well. And so he was making sure that those who were trying to invade his family as they were separated from the battle lines did not get to his family. But the problem is that Achan brought something into his family. He invited something. He actually took some of the, uh, some of the precious things in, in Jericho, in the city of Jericho, and something that God commanded them not to do. Because God said, hey, the, all that's mine. I'm going to use it for, for the treasury, eventually for the temple. And so Achan brought some of that, and he knew it was wrong because he hid it in his tent. He actually buried The thing dug a hole, buried it up, and hid it in his tent for nobody else to find. Well, as the story goes on, uh, obviously Achan's sin was known, and destruction came to him and his entire household. So it wasn't what was going to invade his family that destroyed his family. It was what he brought into his family that ultimately destroyed his family. And so this biblical truth we learned from last week, and it's so important, is that invitations are more powerful than invasions. Invitations are more powerful than invasions. And how do you know that you have invited something evil in your life? It's when you have to hide it. When you hide it, you know that you have invited it. And so this week, I want us to talk about something... That um, as we talked about guardians of the family, it's so easy for us to focus on the people just living in our house. Yeah, as Suzanne and I uh, have have a large family, we we are always doing things to guard our kids, to guard our family uh, from evil coming into uh, into our house, coming whether it comes literally into our house uh, through uh, through internet or music choices or whatever. Or if one of our kids are at a friend's house or even at school and they bring it into our house, we are constantly trying to guard those things. And we're going to continue to walk through that and give you some practical biblical applications that you can use with your family. But I wanted to remind you something, and and here's something that we're going to go with we're going to sit on today. You are not alone in the galaxy as a guardian You do not need to do this on your own. In fact, I would say this. People, parents who try to guard their families from things that are coming into their life, into their home, by themselves are much less successful than people who realize that they have other guardians in their life that they can use. And so the guardians in your life are something that I want to encourage you to use. We're going to use a biblical uh, story, and we're going to talk about the Maverick family. Now, I don't know if you know of the Maverick family in the Bible, but the Maverick family is is someone who did something on their own. You know, a family is really known, their last name is really known by uh, maybe where they're from or uh, what they're known by, or maybe a job skill or, or trade skill. A family's last name is known for those things. And, and the Maverick family was known by something, and that was that they decided to do something on their own. The dictionary describes a Maverick as a lone ranger who strays from and does not follow the thinking of a group that he or she belongs to. And so a maverick is something is someone who does things on their own. And we're going to look at this maverick family, and we're going to be in Ruth chapter 1. We're just going to go through five verses. So just five verses today. So Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And if you have your copy of God's Word, I encourage you to turn to that. We'll have it on the screen. For those who are watching online, we will have those also available. We also have this in our church app. If you go to Uh, the setting on the bottom right, the more, and then go to notes, you'll find it there, Guardians of the Family, Volume 2, Week 2. So let's open up God's Word and um, find out who this maverick family is. So we have this in 1-1 of Ruth, and it says this. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Now, Moab was a country that was evil. And it really was only about 45 miles away from Bethlehem. And so Moab was a country country that they had other gods, actually sacrificed their children uh, to their gods, did not follow the one true God. Verse two, the man's name was Elimelech, His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech and Naomi's Naomi's husband died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So here you have a family man. He had sons, he had a wife, things are going good for him, he's in Bethlehem, he's in a small village, and this is in the time before kings. So in the time between when the Israelites defeated um, all of their enemies and they're in the land, between then and the first king of Israel, Solomon, and then David, you had this period of about 300 years where it's, it's ruled by judges that God has established. And so during this time, there was a famine in the land. And so you can't blame Elimelech. And was doing what he thought was best. He thought, you know, it's, it's really tough. This is a tough time. The economy's bad. The crops are not doing good. Uh, uh, that affects the livestock. And so he was scared, and so he brought his family and moved to a pagan nation, away from others who were going through the same thing, but others who We're following the one true God. And so Elimelech and Naomi decided, hey, this is too tough. I need to move away. I need to move away far away from even surrounded by people who follow God. You know, I see this time and time again. In my many years of ministry, in variety of capacities, I have seen this time and time again. You know, it, it, it even happens now. When believers who regularly uh, uh, attend a church face difficult seasons, some will choose to face them without the help of their church family. And, you know, it's it, it, it sometimes you can't... You can't really blame them because if they go through a, a tough time in their season, maybe there's, there's an embarrassing situation uh, in, in their family. Or, or maybe there's a, a broken marriage, and they're just really embarrassed by that, and they had some friends, and you know uh, the husband had friends in the church, and the wife had friends in the church, and they split up, and, and things are really, really messy or maybe there's an adulterous affair, or even financial ruin. I've had all, I've seen all of these situations, and even more happen in the family, and it's almost like, okay, Lord, we need to pray that, that you protect their hearts, and don't let them move away from a church. And many of them do. They do, they move away during troubled times and it could be small situations and it could be heavy situations, but they move during difficult times away from their church, away just like just like and, like, and Naomi, away from people who could help him, people who follow God. And so my, my encouragement to you today is don't be a maverick. You need your church family. You you need your church family. And why? Because it takes more godly people than just you to be guardians of your family. It takes more people beside you to be guardians of your family. I cannot stress this enough. If Elimelech and Naomi would have stayed in Bethlehem then their sons would not have married pagan women. Now, God, through his infinite grace and mercy, he does make bad choices good. As we continue, you continue in the story of Ruth, it's a beautiful story, and how God changed her heart, brought her uh, to come to know God, and Ruth uh, ended up being someone who is in the line of David and then ultimately Jesus Jesus Christ. So God can make a bad situation good as often he does but just imagine if God I mean if if Elimelech and Naomi would have stayed where they were then they would not have married pagan women. When you move away from the church family, we immediately lose guardians who can pray for us, encourage us and help raise our kids. But you know, not everybody leaves. We have people right now sitting in our church who've gone through junk. They've gone through bad stuff. But they, they decided, you know, I need these guardians. I need my church family. I need God to surround me with people. And so, guess what? Our church has surrounded people and have helped them because we are guardians. We, we help guard other families and our church family away from evil that's coming in, bad situations. And so true guardians of the family are not mavericks who do things on their own when times get tough. They surround themselves with other guardians in the church, and people have done that. And so when, time, bad, thing, when bad times happen, you and I want to make sure we do everything we can to stay with the church. Now, when we do move away, when this does happen, it shows a little a little bit of selfishness to be quite honest. And here's and let me explain this. When 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 you and I face situations and we like Naomi and Elimelech, we decide to move away from other guardians and try to sort of maverick this, do this on our own, we are robbing people. Abusing their gifts. Do you know that there are people in the church sitting here right now, I know who they are. There are people in the church who, they have the gift to financially bless people who are in dire situations. And if you leave because of, uh, because of a situation, maybe an embarrassing situation, marriage, financial, whatever, you leave you're going to miss out on the church utilizing gift. Now, I'm not saying if you stay, we're, we're, you know, God's just going to throw money at you. God's going to move in the hearts of people. But God, God moves in the hearts of people, and he's going to do what he wants to do through the body of Christ. And so, also, there are people who will pray for you. We have prayer warriors in this church If I call them and say, hey, I need you to pray for this family, they're going through some junk. Or I'll just say, keep it anonymous, there's a family in our church who's going through some stuff, I need you to pray for them. And they will be on their knees praying for them. Why? Because God has given them that calling, and they will pray for you. You have people who will counsel with you who will come alongside you, who will help you. When you and I leave the flock and we leave the church and we move away, we are, it's selfish because we are robbing people from utilizing their gifts. A second reason why it's a selfish move is because when you go through bad times, you are, you are now enabled with experience to help someone else. I've always said this: the best person to give financial advice is someone who's gone through bankruptcy, and God's worked to them and set them up to straight. I've always said that a person who, who is a a really good marriage counselor is someone who has been through an adulterous affair, maybe even through a separation. He and, and his wife, or wife and her, and her husband. They have experience, and they have experienced the separation, the pain. They have experienced the onset of the enemy coming against them, and God has walked through them, and they have experienced the grace of God. And they're healthy, and they're ready to help others. If you're going through a marriage issue in your life, and God works through you on that, guess what? You will be able to speak into people's life. Lots of situations, lots of things. When you and I go through junk, health issues, miscarriages, you know, uh, relationship issues, when we go through these things, it will enable us one day as we are healed through that to share and help others and encourage others and to pray for them. So when you decide to leave, it's selfish, is then you're deciding to not use the experience that God has brought you through to help others. This, I think, I think when Elimelech and Naomi left Bethlehem, I thought, I, I'm reading this and this is very selfish of them. Because there are other people in Bethlehem going through the same famine. And so they just moved 45 miles away. It's not really that different, but they were selfish. And God did not honor that. So when you're a maverick, number one, you cut off other guardians for your family. Number two, you rob others of using their spirits or gifts. And number three, you deny others the support you can offer as you have gone through that experience. You know, what I love about Lake Point Church, Lake Point Church has, has incredible guardians. We have guardians. And Suzanne and I have have realized that we cannot be the only guardians for our family. I mean, we're way outnumbered, number one. And number two, we're not with them all the time. And so we have guardians, spiritual guardians set up in our life. We always have. Even before we started Lake Point Church, our kids have gone to Awana, They've been a part of kids' choir singing, you know, songs, worship songs. They've been a part of youth choir. They've been a part of some some small groups. They've been a part of children's camp and, and youth camp. And even here at Lake Point Church, we offer those things. Right now, there are people who are guardians of our kids here at Lake Point Church. Our, our, our new uh, kids' ministry directors, Corey and Caleb Brindley right now are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with our new Orange curriculum, which is incredible. We love it. And parents, you're going to get some information on how you can connect what they're teaching there at the home, and I would encourage you to do that because it's guardians and guardians working together, okay? And so right now, there are guardians in the work. Audrey Boggs, our nursery and preschool director. She loves that age group. She is so excited. And so she is a guardian. She's sharing God's love to those little ones. her and her team and the team there at kids' ministry. Joe Savatari, our student minister. He is a guardian for our students. On Wednesday nights, they come. He's building relationships. He sends text messages. He loves on those kids, not just Wednesday nights, on Sundays, but for special events. We've got Merge weekend in February. It's a Disciple Now weekend where our students can, can, uh, can help, uh, you know, collaborate with other students uh, across Bartow County. It's a lot of churches. And they will grow in their faith. And, and Joe is a guardian here at Lake Point Church, and, and Suzanne and I need that. We have always needed guardians in our church, people in our small group. We have a great small group that we meet on Wednesday nights, but there are other small groups that meet at different times, Sundays, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, obviously Wednesday nights, and so they become guardians for your family, the people that you serve alongside when you're serving. You have guardians in your family as you share with others. I love to see Facebook messages between other people in our church, and they, they just share words of encouragement during tough times, and they know that. They know them because of church, so you have guardians and you can learn from guardians that's why it's important you're going to learn from Joe Savatari. you're going to learn from Corey and Caleb Brinley, from Audrey, Box from other people in the small groups and other people in our church you, you have you have to set up guard, other guardians it's not just about you don't be a maverick don't be like the maverick family you need other guardians in your life And we learn from one another. I've learned so much. Susanna and I both have learned so much over the years watching and praying and getting advice from people. As we have tried to guard our families. You know, we're going to get into more specific things, how to guard your family. But these first two weeks, we had to take care of a couple of things. Make sure you're not bringing in. You're not inviting something. Because the very thing you're trying to guard against, you could be bringing in. And number number two, you've got to make sure you have set up other guardians. You need to go to people in our church, and me and others and our staff and, and elders and others, and just say, I need you to be a guardian for my family. That's how to be a guardian of your family. We learn from one another. We learn. You know, I'm reminded of a story when I was a, a young teenager, we lived in Illinois for a time, around on the uh, west side of Illinois, around St. Louis, actually. And so about 15, 20 miles east of St. Louis, we, uh, it was an area, uh, part of the country where it, it got, it had some pretty severe winters. I remember one winter, we had like a four-foot blizzard, it was like 30 degrees below and everything, but we lived in the country and and my, we had all kinds of different animals. My, my father just loves to bring all kinds of animals, you know, to our home, literally into our home. Um, and, yes, we've had a, a, a pet raccoon in our home, used a litter box. That's a different story. We've had all kinds of things. And, and we did have chickens at, at one point. And um, I know a lot of people have chickens in the country. And so my dad decided he was going to build a chicken coop. So I helped them build this chicken coop. And I tell you, it was, it was really interesting, this chicken coop. It was a, it was a, little, uh, a little shady. I mean, it just, just, I mean, I, I looked at it going, I don't know. I don't know about this. I mean, we're just kind of using just pieces of wood and, and uh, sheets of metal and fiberglass and just putting this together. It just looked awful. You know, but we're in a country, and it's like chickens don't care. It's just chickens, right? So we built this thing. Well, that next winter... We have a really, really bad winter, and we had the storm come through, and, and it was, it was uh, way below zero, and snow on the ground, and my dad, and the wind was blowing really hard, and my dad said, like, okay, son, we've got to protect the chickens. I was like, okay, so we get some sheet metal, and we, we're fastening it to the, you know, to the, the chicken wire on, on the inside and everything, and blocking the wind, and then my dad had this, I thought it was a cool idea, he, he said, well, hey, let's let's bring a space heater, right? So let's bring a, you know, a little heater in, in the house. And it's a heater that, you know, the old time, parents, you, you probably remember this, the old times, it, you know, had the coils, you know, and it, and it was right there, and, and it wasn't really much protecting it, not like today. Uh, you know, today, if they tip over, they stop. You know, they tip over, it burns the house down, right? And so, but this, this was sort of his, his neat idea to help bring warmth to the chickens, to protect the chickens. So we, <laughs> we put an extension cord from the house out to the, out to the chicken coop, and we put it right there, and we turned it on. Man, those chickens love that. They love that space heater. It was nice and warm. And I thought it was a great idea until the next morning <clears throat> when, when I walked out, and I wanted to check on the chickens. And so I walked out, and I, I saw something that I never want to see again. I saw blackened, fried chicken all clumped together in that space heater. And the space heater had shorted out because of all the feathers. And so what had happened is, and they were all dead. What had happened is, all the chickens were like, well, I want, I want my heater and I want my heater. And they kept fighting and fighting and fighting and they just kept pushing one another into the space heater until they all got fried. Not making this up, and I'm like going, "Well, that didn't work." And I say that as I was preparing this message, I'm reminded that you know all it took was maybe a, a, a phone call to maybe someone who has raised chickens before, maybe some ideas of what could work. I mean, you know, there are other people who had chickens who lived down the road. And they were facing the same situation. But no, no, we don't need to call them. It's all good. We'll just put a space heater out there. You know, we laugh, but how many, how many of us or how many people that you know, that when they go through tough times, they move away from the church. Oh, we don't don't need the church to help. We got this. We can have church on our own. We can do church. That may work for a few weeks, but you know it doesn't last. And then they wake up and realize that their, their baby chicks who are now growing up are not the people that they really hoped that they would be because they're not following God. You know why? Because parents can't be the only guardians in their life. They can't. Parents? You can't be the only guardians in your life. You need the body of Christ. You need people. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> like, man, glad I'm not getting the phone call from the pastor. You know, you need the bride of Christ. Because let me tell you, there are, there are evil guardians out there who will take your place and take the place of of the guardians, like biblical guardians and guardians in the church. Because when your kids and your family get around other things and they're not around the student ministry, around the kids' ministry, and you're not, you know, plugging in and serving and, and growing, guess what? You're gonna have guardians move into your life and they're gonna guard against God coming in and being helping them grow to be the person he wants them to be. I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it, and I cannot stress this enough. If you don't understand that there are other spiritual guardians here to help, there will be other guardians that you don't want their help, but they will come in. You know, another word for maverick it kind of has another meaning. Actually, the, the original meaning of maverick referred to unbranded cattle that strayed from the herd, thus putting the ownership in doubt. When a rancher saw an unbranded calf, it was called a maverick. So that's what, that's what ranchers do. They brand the cattle that this cow belongs to me. Well, if, if a cow gets separated from, from the herd and was not branded, they're a maverick. They're a way. When you and I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are branded by the blood of Jesus Christ. You and I have been branded. That one belongs to me. I died for them. You have been branded. You belong to Christ. We, the church, we belong to Him. We are the church. We're here to help one another as guardians. And one of the ways that we show that we are branded is through what we call sacraments. Sacraments are basically uh, signs as a means by which we receive the grace. Of Jesus Christ, a tangible assurance that we've that we received it. And so the two sacraments that God and that Jesus really asks us to observe, there's only two of them, and that's baptism and communion or Lord's Supper. And so baptism is a tangible way for you to say, I'm his had the extreme, awesome opportunity this week. I was able to lead someone to the Lord this week. He's here this morning, and uh, we talked about baptism. He's like, yeah, I'm ready to be baptized. Well, let's wait till it gets a little warmer, but we talked about the importance of being baptized. It's a tangible way for you to show that you are branded by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then the second way, as believers, We participate, we observe, we honor communion as the elements represent the blood and the body broken for us. And in just a moment, the band is going to come and they're going to uh, sing. But during that time, I want you as a church to participate and communion. If you, um, you want to do this as families, we encourage you to do that. Uh, we also have our, uh, our kids. If you want to get your kids and, and do that, we could do that with families and, and everything. And I think they, they're bringing the kids in, into here. But on the tables in the back, we will have um, a host couple at each table. And you just take that, you can take that, um, that bread and just dip it. And just have that moment there with you and your family, and, I, and and I've just been notified that if you do want your kids to join you, you could just simply go and um, you know bring them into here, and that will be just fine. But before we do that, um, I do want to read this passage of scripture in Luke chapter uh, twenty-two, and and it says this: and He Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You know, we are not mavericks. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you are branded with the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is an opportunity, a tangible way for you to show, I'm branded. I belong to this church. I belong to the Big C Church, the Bride of Christ. And so I'm going to say a prayer. We'd ask you to stand. You can form lines. People were there to help you. After that, you can come back to your seat, continue to worship, and then we'll close out the service.